1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Top Shelf Sports
2: Talk. You're hanging out in the sports bar with Danger and Vitaglia on The Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950, The Fan, Rochester, all right, time to talk some hockey. We'll talk some Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll talk some Calder Cup playoffs. Bleacher Reports, Joe Yurden, also of the Maintenance Day podcast with Lance Lysowski, joining us now in the Sports Bar. Joe, how are you enjoying the postseason so far?
3: Boy, it's it's been a lot of fun. Huh? I mean, uh, that first round of the NHL playoffs was <laughs> out of this world, <laughs> honestly. Um, it was it was something else to watch everything play out the way it did, and to not even have the the Kraken in their second season be the top story, not even like the top two story of the playoffs is pretty astounding. So this has been fun. Uh, Calder Cup playoffs have been pretty fun,
4: too. Yeah, we'll get to the Amarks here in a second. Um, Yeah, what's been fun seeing these teams go out? Boston, uh, your, your thoughts on Montgomery sticking with Olmark and Joe? Do you sense there's more to the story here? Should Olmark actually have been in that for games five and six?
3: Yeah, it sure feels like there's a lot more to the story there. Uh, you know, Jim Montgomery said in the the, the closing interviews that uh, the decision to go with Olmark because Olmark was apparently injured uh, and played through it. Uh, but the decision to go with him in game to, – to go with Swayman in game seven he pointed to Bob Essens, the goalie coach, to say, you know, you have to ask him, which is, you know, pretty inconvenient for reporters because we don't get to talk to the, the goalie coaches at the end of the year. But, um, yeah, I, you know, Linus – I mean, Linus was pretty classic Linus, you know, saying that, you know, he, he played hurt, but he wasn't injured and, you know, very cryptic and, you know, saying stuff without saying it. So it's, uh, you know – it's that kind of way but boy well, boy i mean when you're the president's trophy winner and the runaway president's trophy winner you you got to go deep in the playoffs you got to win the cup and you didn't even get out of the first round
2: well they they go down to a a game florida team that we forget wins wins the president's trophy last year and yeah. and it looks pretty good now as they they got a game 2 tonight uh in toronto and you know i've been kind of you know i know you you may be – pay attention to what's going on in the betting lines for, for some of these games, Joe and man, every, every night it feels like you could take the underdog with some value and, and feel certain that you're probably going to do all right because the road dogs are, are cleaning up in this, in this post Yeah.
3: The, the road team, the road team success in the playoffs has been astounding. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, it's the kind of thing where you know you fight for home ice advantage. You know, you, you try to get the best record to get to get to the top of the, the ladder so that you can play those important games at home and you know not have to worry about the you know the, the, the crowd on the road and all those things that that traditionally have gone into it. And instead, it's worse playing at home for these for these teams. It's it's pretty crazy watching that play. I mean, we got to see it happen all all season with the Sabers, where they you know their home record was. Was brutal, and they played great on the road. But uh, seeing this happen in the playoffs, though, it's it's something else, and I, it makes me makes me think about a lot of the stuff that uh, Don Granado and the players talked about about you know the stress of trying to you know, perform at home and put on a show for the fans and all that. I wonder if that that really is a big deal for everybody across the league. Because man, oh man, it's it's very strange to see the home teams struggle so badly at home.
4: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Joe, what do you make of what is happening out in Vegas? Because I know Sabre fans uh, shiver at the thought that Jack Utkel is going to get over here because honestly, I think what would be great for the sport would be Connor McDavid in the final. Connor McDavid. Hey, you've heard about this player in Edmonton. Let's see him uh, on the biggest stage here in the cup final. But your thoughts on what you're seeing here and what we could expect here in this Vegas Edmonton series.
3: Well, I mean, Vegas has been one of the best teams out west all season long, and you know, I know you look up and down the roster, and it doesn't really look that impressive. I mean, you got Eichel, you got Mark Stone, uh, you've got you know they got that line that was so great for them uh, during their Cup final run back in 2017 with Carlson and Marcia So and Riley Smith. But I mean, you know, it's not like a team where you're like, wow, look at this array of superstars. Like they play very entertaining hockey but it's but it they're a team that really fights they grind they do all that all that classic play, playoff stuff and you know, the Oilers I mean listen they, the Oilers look like a two person team granted it's two of the best players in the league <laughs> doing the job for them but i mean you know this has been the thing for the Oilers for you know ever since they've drafted McDavid is that yes they have the best player in the NHL yes they have you know tremendous ability to score and to be able to handle teams at this rate, but they don't have the depth. And I've been saying this all along. I mean, it's a pretty easy point to say, so I can't really pat myself on the back, but they just don't have the depth to really hang with these teams. And, you know, if a team doesn't isn't taking penalties against them, they lose a lot of their offense because they're doing a lot of their damage on the power play. So, I mean, you know, and Stuart Skinner looked kind of like a rookie last night. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's one of these things where, you know, the – you know, the uh, the sadist in me wants the Oilers to go out in an embarrassing fashion, so McDavid asked for a trade, but I mean that's just not huh. gonna happen.
2: Uh when when Svechnikov went out for Carolina, I'm like, oh I you know, I like them preseason as as a cup finalist, but boy, man, that team looks so solid and they've looked good through the course of the has that team looked better in their limited amount of time here in the postseason than Carolina has? Or do do you see weaknesses in Carolina? Can they be can they be taken here in the next couple of rounds before the final
3: well it's it, if there's a weakness with carolina I, I, it has to be in goal for yeah. me I, you know i I know auntie Ronce has played some pretty great games here so far, uh and they've got a three headed monster there with you know with him and Freddie Anderson and uh peter uh, Kuchekov. uh but like it, it's really hard to find a weakness when they're when their defensive core their top yeah. six on the is so so good i mean they are that's probably the best six-man unit in the nhl right now uh you know that's easy to say because they're in the playoffs and they're having success but it's been very good for for a few years now um and it's showing that they're they're good enough to be able to withstand these injuries you know, especially you know, all these guys uh, teravinen's been out uh you know it's a lot of offensive talent a lot of offensive firepower that's out and they're still getting goals you know Jesper Fast was was a demon uh in the first round and you know the Islanders saw enough of him and you know Sebastian Ajo is still out there all these you know you still have a lot of these big weapons and you know it's uh it's really tough to deal with them if there's a team that can handle them it's the Devils although uh kira schmidt looked very much like a rookie goalie uh last night which i mean hey it's it's gonna happen it's a little bit of a different battle dealing with uh dealing with carolina than it is the rangers
4: all right joe i'm not gonna let you say a little bit of both i gotta let you you got to say which one has more percentage (laughs) here all right uh in the leafs toronto series which has the greater percentage was it the Leafs finally saying, hey, this is not the same old Leafs, we're a different cast here, or was that just a tired, pooped-out uh, Tampa Bay team that has played a lot of hockey over the last four years?
3: Yeah, I'm I'm very mad you're not letting me split, <laughs> split the vote <boat laughs> on that one. Um, I lean towards the Lightning being tired. Um, I, I say that because they just didn't have it at home, and also, they were hurt, man. You know, they lose Eric Chernak in Game One, that made a huge, huge difference in Games Three and Four. You know, they they blew, you know, a three-two lead in Game Three, losing overtime. They blew a four-one lead in Game Four, losing overtime. And I'm thinking Chernak's probably going to be on the ice in a lot of those situations where they're giving up giving up goals instead of you know instead of radish or or, you know, you know, Perbix or, you know, any of these guys that aren't, you know, Victor Hedman and even Victor Hedman missed the game of that series. So missed a game or two. So, you know, it, but that's the, the accumulation. Now, granted Trinax injury was because of a, you know, dirtbag shot from, from bunting, but, um, but that's an accumulation of time. I mean, that's a lot of deep playoff runs. That's a lot of, that's a lot of games. That's so many games, And it's amazing that that crew is even still together as much as they are. Um but i mean you're gonna you're gonna wear down at some point. I thought they looked a little bit worn down against Colorado in the final last year, but you know Colorado was a really really darn good team too so um but I mean, the fact that Tampa was still right there and that now they 're gonna get a long off season i, I i'm not you 're not gonna see me jumping off the Tampa bandwagon for season predictions next year because I think they're gonna be a beast next season but um but yeah, I mean. You know, hey, Toronto Toronto did what they had to do. So, you know, good on them, but well, they got their hands full with the Panthers now.
2: Joe, we know you've been paying attention to the Amherst now with the Sabres season over. Wanted to get your take on this series against Syracuse so far as we look ahead to Saturday night in game 5 in Syracuse.
3: Yeah, it's well, I'll tell you what, if there if there's a, an upside to the Sabres season finally finishing, it's that I've been able to watch some more Amherst. It's it's been tough. It's tough when they put the they, they schedule the games on the same night, man. I can't really you know have my head everywhere but um but watching this team man it, it it's it's fascinating watching this group play because it is it's very much like how the Buffalo team plays yeah uh you know it's very up and down the ice there's a lot of chances uh you know the power play setups look very similar and uh, you know Yuri Kulik scores that, scores that goal in game four where it's like oh yeah okay that's that's what he does. That's exactly what he's been doing all season. And, you know, Subban plays an outstanding game. Uh, you know, Isak Rosane was, was so good in that game. And, I, and it says a lot to me that it's, you know, that it is these younger guys that are that are stepping up and having these big moments. You know, I know Kulik missed a, missed a couple of games there, but he comes right into the lineup he makes an immediate impact again uh, and you know like everybody went out of their way to talk up Rosé after game 4 because you know they said he doesn't you know he doesn't wind up wind up on the on the score sheet but he was everywhere he really was um so this group I, it's i don't know home ice seems to matter in the AHL it seems to make, make a big difference in the AHL so game 5 is going to be really interesting but i think the Amherst have got they've got the well, they've obviously got the momentum on their side but um, but they they gave Syracuse fits because they just didn't buy into any of the the post whistle stuff. They just didn't give them anything, which probably a good idea because Syracuse can score a lot of the power play, but, um, but yeah, as long as they play this kind of smart hockey and they just stick to it, man, they they can, they can win game five. They could probably win another round or two too.
4: Yeah. and, And if they do win game five, Joe, I mean, like, and you're absolutely right. Kulik has been fantastic a couple 19-year-olds on this team. I mean, like, like how far can this team actually go in your opinion? Is it just come down to all right, um it's hockey, it's game 5, it could go either way and then we'll see what happens after that.
3: Well, I think the the good part of having guys that are that young is that, you know, they don't have a ton of like that mental reference uh to to look back and, you know, get, you know, psyched out or, you know, get overly psyched up so that, you know, maybe they play outside themselves, but um, you know, for, for this kind of stuff. I mean, these guys are just kind of like, yeah, it's hockey. It's fun. Love this stuff. It's great. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the accumulation of everything that they've learned through the season. It's, it's everything they've picked up from, you know, from the vet guys, you know, the, the Michael Mershes, the Ethan Prowse, uh, the Sean Malone's, like these guys are so instrumental, Matt Barkowski, like these guys really help them stay grounded and stay focused in the game because it, you know, it could be easy to have younger guys just kind of running around and, you know, you can't really can't really contain them. You're just kind of like, oh boy, I hope they do the good thing tonight. But these guys are really focused, and you know, I I give Seth a lot of credit for for getting these guys into a place where they're able to lock this down and they're able to to stay on stay on point with things because I mean, you know you lose those first two games in Syracuse, things could get out of hand. I mean, you would argue things got out of hand losing two games in Syracuse, but um, but they were able to come back home and really take care of business. So uh, it, maybe maybe this is a situation where losing a couple of those games is is the lesson you learn and you move on and you take it forward and, hopefully play it through through game five and you can win it.
2: Well, you, you watch what the Americs are doing and what they did last year and what they're doing again this year. You look at the trajectory of the Sabres. The future seems bright, Joe, and I just wanted to kind of get your closing thoughts on the Sabres season that was, and I know it's way too early to look ahead to what next season could be. You've got the draft coming up here this summer, and you've got all kinds of other things, but you're going to have, when you're Kevin Adams and you see what you have here in terms of a pool of talent, you're going to have some tough decisions to make. What do you think some of those checklist items are for Adams here as he head into the offseason?
3: Yeah, it's he's. Uh, I, I'll say this up at forward. He's got some really tough choices to make, Uh because you've got you've got a couple of key veteran guys that are going to be free agents. You know, Gergensen and Apoza. I can't imagine. I, I can't see Kyle going anywhere else. He, he'll take. I assume he'll sign. You know, some kind of short term deal. One, maybe two years, where it's you know a couple million a year or something, and just you know. You know, play through it and be be the vet guy, and hang on to it. Uh, Gergensen, you know, Gergensen's played so well. He's you know, fans love to hate on him, but he's but he's a solid guy. But he, you know, he takes care of business. And boy, if there's a guy I want to see play in the playoffs and have play playoff style hockey, it's him. Um, but it's you know, but you've got a guy, you got guys like Rose and Cooley you know, killing it in the AHL, and you kind of want to, you know, you don't want to block their path. And Kevin Adams has said as much, but. Boy, it's it's tough to to find room for these guys. I mean, they they were able to do it with Paterka and Quinn last season, but um, but I I it, I find it hard, I find it hard to believe they're going to really attack the forward position in the off season. I think D and goaltending are one and one a as far as what they're what they're going to address in the off season and I, what that entails. I mean, trades, free agency. I don't know. I, I trade seems to make a little bit more sense to me, but um But boy, I mean the, the the conveyor belt of talent for for Buffalo is just going to continue on here because you know they signed Noychev out of Russia. They've got Olivier Nadeau coming because he just his junior career just finished up uh, a couple of days ago. So they've got some really good guys coming. If they're you know if they're not you know direct to Buffalo, they're going to be in Roch for for a couple of seasons, maybe you know maybe two or three. So. Uh, things are on the upside for, for both teams. I, I, I'm looking at it because this looks good.
4: Yeah, uh, you know, I know the Sabres are turning the corner, Joe, because, and we haven't even mentioned this on our show yet, uh, Monday night is the draft lottery. And to me, it's like, a okay, whatever. <laughs> oh, great, the Sabres are picking 13th. That used to be the story, Joe.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to not have to worry about where, how the ping pong balls are going to go. Now, you get in this mindset watch luck will be on their side again somehow and they'll end up jumping up the three and people are gonna be like oh well all right that's pretty cool too we'll take it but um but no i I mean it's it's nice to not have to start doing your draft prep in in february and just (laughs) figure out who in the top 10 they're they're gonna be able to get because you know it is what it is but i mean geez they're in a spot now or you know maybe that maybe they make that pick maybe they trade that pick maybe they trade down who knows it's It's almost like a grown-up position for this team.
2: Joe, uh, I wanted to take a moment while we have you to wish you a happy anniversary. We all know that today is May the 4th, and if you're a Star Wars nerd like me, then you're you're saying May the 4th be with with you to all of your geek friends. Uh, But today is also the anniversary, as one of our regulars Chris points out to us on Twitter, the anniversary of one of the most unforgettable comebacks in Buffalo Sabres history, Gino. That would be uh, May 4th, 2007, against the New York Rangers.
3: Yeah, Chris uh Chris Drury. I mean that <laughs> I just think of Rick's call on that goal where he's, he's just shouting, Who else? Who else? Yeah. I can't do a Rick impersonation. That's pretty good though. Do it. Yeah. Um but you know, it, that was like the perfect kind of culmination of all of, of that, that group with that you know, that series of the Rangers, you know, Lundquist and goal, it just seems like it's gonna be a tough time and then you know Drury comes through and gets the tying goal Finneganov with the absolute smoke show ripper in overtime to win it, which maybe Thomas Mannock got a stick on it, maybe I don't yeah. know, but who cares? It went in. That's fine. Um, yeah, what are, that's that's one of the classic games that I think flies under the radar uh, because you know everybody remembers Mayday, everybody remembers that you know that stuff. But uh, but this that's what that's a that's a really good one to look back on because that I mean the team wasn't together too much longer after that, so uh, you know that's that's like the big that's the big highlight to hang on that group because that was. Well, boy what a comeback that game was
4: Joe you're heading to the onsetter uh Saturday night for all of us who have never been in that arena j- just how I mean we know what it's like here at the Blue Cross how tough an env- environment
3: is that going to be Ooh, it's, i I love that arena in Syracuse I love it it's old it's it reminds me of playing in like a high school like an overgrown high school gym because you know they had like the stage on the one end of the place and <laughs> You know, you're looking at this and it's got like the, you know, the arched roof and everything. And you're like, man, oh man, this is, this is definitely an old building. And that place gets loud. I mean, that, that is a loud, hostile barn for, for, for opposing teams to go in there. And Crunch fans, yeah, Crunch fans are diehards. They are super serious about the team. It's the same thing in Rochester, same thing in every AHL city, honestly. But Syracuse fans, man, like they just, they are, they are intense about this team. And, uh it's a tough setting that's a that's a really tough setting to play in and uh i'm gonna have to wear a helmet not not because like the fans are tough but because i might hit my head on the beams in the uh yeah. the press level because <laughs> i did great. that a couple of times during the ahl the all-star game a few years back and i i lucky i even remember it
2: uh joe what are you working on at uh bleacher report that we could check out and what about you and lance in the uh, maintenance day podcast what can we expect here
3: well yeah lance and i have had a little bit of little bit of a break we needed you know kind of a breather good as uh you know it's as the offseason off season. So. yeah yeah right exactly but we'll i'm sure we'll be getting back to it after uh after game five on saturday so uh you know whatever your platform to listen to us on find us there easy to find us uh bleach report uh let me think here i'm gonna be writing about patrick kane now that he's out where is he gonna go i'll be talking about you know possible landing spots for him I'll be on top of that Leafs-Panthers series as well, depending on you know how things shake out there. If I'm am I gonna be writing their epitaph, or am I gonna be writing about how they're marching on to the uh, the conference finals? We'll see. But uh, but yeah, lots of stuff there and uh, noted hockey as well. I'll have a piece on the Amerks and their leadership groups uh, going up later today. So keep an eye out.
4: Nice, Joe. Appreciate your time. Safe travels to Syracuse. Let's do this again.
3: Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. And it all begins with a face-off
1: win. Up close to the boards though, the Rangers. There's Drury after it in the corner. Drury spun it out in front. There's the shot.
4: Blocked in front. Rebound. Oh!
2: an amazing call. Oh. I got go- goosebumps. Oh, I- I've got the call here too for, for the game winner. Enough, yeah. Yeah. Roy wins the draw.
4: Pullmanville smoked it wide of the net.
2: Colleenan <laughs> keeping it
1: in.
4: Kaliman drops it back. Held in the hill. And with the shot. <laughs>
2: Maybe someday soon, Chris pointing it out as he's sending us this uh, audio, maybe someday soon it gets that good again. But when you see the fans out in the courtyard just losing their minds, everybody inside the arena going nuts, man. Okay, well, we can't have that,
4: but we can have some Amarok's, though. Oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Like Saturday night, I'm just going to be like, okay, I can't do anything other than listen to Don on Saturday, yeah, night.
2: we'll have that call for you here just after seven o'clock Saturday. Game five from Syracuse is the Amherst look to eliminate the Crunch and advance the Calder Cup playoffs. All right, coming up next in the Sports Bar, some takes on tap. We play. I'll drink to that. You know, you look at the the future of the
4: Sabers. One thing that was just a simple fix. Yeah, you know, what if we tried Tage Thompson at a different position? Hmm. Isn't it funny to like think back to where we were with that? You know, and, and Tage Thompson was this borderline fourth line player, bouncing between Buffalo and Rochester. Could we have something similar with the Buffalo Bills? I, I think this is worth exploring a little bit. Danger, and then it's funny. I wrote this take uh, last night, and then I hear DA talking about it today. <laughs> like, uh. like honestly, like wait a second. Can we just hit the brakes here?
2: On the Oakland A's moving to Vegas. DA has been adamant against this move. This move, it really doesn't. When you look at the numbers, it does not make sense. Right, right. And I think the blame here like oh, we're metaphor. not uh,
4: yeah yes absolutely
2: all right. well, right I've got a six pack of best bets to share and I want to congratulate a couple of uh, politicians for doing what politicians do and and warn them that what they have coming up uh, will will get them what they want but not necessarily the result they desire we'll, we'll get into that a more next with I'll drink to that some takes on tap here in the sports bar Danger and Bataglia the fan Rochester Odyssey has sports for every fan keep up with your favorite teams from across the country and get the insights